the Better Equine Vet Practice Limited Podcast Series, presented by Business Infusions, owners of HVMS Software. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the people interviewed and do not reflect the official policy or position of Business Infusions, HVMS Software, our employees or companies. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the guest. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Our goal is to inspire and connect different conversations and different perspectives in the equine veterinary space. Hi, and welcome to the HVMS podcast. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, your host on behalf of HVMS. And today I'm joined by Ivana Novosel, who is going to talk to us about recruitment and retention in the veterinary space. Ivana is comes from a very interesting background, and I can't wait to hear her story in full. But what we're going to focus on is the information that she can bring from another perspective and how we might be able to apply it to the equine space. So Ivana, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Melanie, for having me. It's a, it's a real honor to be speaking with you on this important subject, but also in this very new podcast, which I think is amazing to see more and more of uh, voices of veterinarians being heard across the web in different formats. So thank you. Thanks. Um, so Ivana, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, how you got to be where you are, and what your background and expertise is. Sounds good. Um, and I'll try to make it brief because otherwise I'll probably be speaking about myself for an hour or so. But <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, um, I'm a registered veterinary technologist, actually, by training. Um, but um, in the last uh, few years, my focus, my interest, my involvement has really been on staffing in the veterinary industry. In 2017, I founded I Am Locum, which is a cloud-based platform that is helping veterinary professionals and um, veterinary clinics find locum gigs, essentially, and that uh, temporary help across the country. And earlier this year, I joined Vet Strategy, which is a network of over 180 small animal and mixed animal clinics across Canada, where I essentially am a talent acquisition manager, and my focus is really finding the best talent uh, for all the unique and diverse hospitals in the Western regions of Canada. Um, but on top of that, I, I also focus really on finding the best opportunities for veterinarians who are looking to, to join this network as, a, as an associate. I, I came into this industry late. I guess in my life, this is my second career, as you um, kind of hinted at. Uh, I used to work in the oil and gas industry, and uh, so I do bring in a little bit of that perspective, obviously, from from a different different point of view. Definitely, different demographics and different types of personalities are can be seen across uh, those two different industries. So, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to hear your perspectives from other areas of vet med and then also from the oil and gas industry. Um, because certainly over the years, they've had their challenges and, and opportunities with recruitment and retention. So it's great to have you here. Um, so I wanted to ask and get things kicked off. What's one thing that gets you excited about the, uh, about the recruitment and uh, retention space in vet med? You know, um, <laughs> 
to be honest, I'm one of those people who are absolutely truly passionate about what I do. I, I know it sounds uh, unusual when it comes to talking about recruitment and retention, but it's true. I, I, as I mentioned, I joined this industry later in my life, so I, I really quickly realized that I wanted to make as much difference in this field as possible. Um, and I, you know, I worked in emergency hospitals for a couple of years as an RVT. Then I moved to a general practice. I worked there for a few years and I worked as a locum here and there when, whenever, you know, opportunity essentially came up and I've been very active within our medical or, and, uh, registered veterinary technology associations, either sitting on their boards or committees in my spare time, right. Over the last six years or so. So, to be honest with you, just with all these activities, it didn't take a long time for me to realize that many clinics in Canada are actually working understaffed due to a shortage of veterinary professionals, as we know now. And, you know, this is uh, this is vets, techs and support staff. And, you know, to me, this really meant two, two things. It meant um, that some animals were not getting the care that they needed due to lack of staff. And two, the shortage was only gonna get worse because of this burnout of the staff and because the staff is working overtime in, in very stressful conditions. So I, you know, as you know, this is a physically, this is mentally, emotionally challenging industry and we do need time to recuperate and recharge. And when that's not possible, we, we definitely burn out and leave the industry. And I almost started feeling that way, you know, only after, you know, handful of years being in the industry. And, and as much as I enjoy being an RVT on the floor and wanting to help animals who needed care, I realized that, you know, I actually needed to help the people. And I think that's where my passion comes in. It's helping people who help animals and making a difference on a larger scale, you know, than um, just and I shouldn't say just, but being on the floor, one can help only a limited amount of animals. But if you can help 10 hospitals, you can multiply that by 10. And being an entrepreneur in heart, that seemed like a very lucrative proposition for me. So that's really what excites me every day is the, being able to help clinics staff themselves so they can help more animals. Yeah, that's great. And so you alluded to you alluded to that it is a challenging market and I would totally agree. I can't tell you how many messages I've got from friends who own clinics or just seeing on message boards across um, Facebook and all different places what a challenging time it is to find high quality qualified professionals and there are many job ads that are going unanswered. So for us in the equine industry, do you have any ideas that we could translate to our to our part of the veterinary world that could help um, practice owners that are trying to attract top talent? Absolutely. I mean, yes, the, the shortage is is obvious, like um, like you mentioned, just look taking a look at the ads that are available um, and positions that are all over all over Canada, all over North America. Um, and, um, it's, it's one of those very, I would say, pressing things and issues that we in the industry want to talk about and, you know, attracting top talent in an environment where we know that we have a general lack of professionals can, can seem very daunting and, and almost impossible in, in some cases, but to be honest with you, 
I personally don't like to look at it that way. I, I actually think that, you know, yes, attracting top talent is challenging, but it can also be a, a good thing. It could be looked at in a more positive way. So not looking at it from the point of view of scarcity, but uh, in a point of view of abundance, essentially. So essentially looking not looking at it from the point of view of clinics not being able to find staff but our professionals our veterinary professionals being able to find the best opportunities that they have right um i don't know if you agree with me but as a veterinarian when you have a choice of four or five different practices where you can go to and to pick and choose from that is that is great which you know because that means that when those professionals go to a specific clinic that clinic will be able to reap the rewards of that person because that person will be thriving wherever they are. And, um, you know, the, the animals in the end who are taken care of are going to be getting the best care, right? So it's a, it's a win-win-win situation, essentially, once, once you do find that talent. So when you win, so when you win the prize associate, they really want to be there. Absolutely. And, and you, you, all you have to do is live up to the wonderful job ad and the wonderful things uh-huh. that you said you would do when you hired. <laughs> yes. And I mean, that is exactly, that's, you, you know, you, you nailed it. I would say you hinted at a couple of things there, which is being truthful and honest and making sure that those ads are really representing your clinic, whether that means, um, you know, uh, representing the clinic through the clinic's reputation or the, you know, or the clinic culture and making sure that uh, we look at those things. Uh, I would say those are one, like two top two things that I like to focus on um, when it comes to the attraction part. As you know, this is such a small industry. Uh, We almost, somehow know each other. I think we started our conversation that way. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know, it's absolutely essential these days to then create a reputation as somewhere where um, the candidates will want to come and work. And if your current staff is not happy working at your current right now and they're leaving, it would be very difficult to attract new talent, right? Before you deal with the issue at hand. So I would say, you know, this should be everyone's focus, creating an environment where people will want to come and stay. And, you know, who are those people? Well, every clinic is different. Like we all, it's essentially like an organism all on its own. And so that brings me to the culture part of, of the clinic, which you know, I could probably spend an hour just talking about this topic and its importance, but having the right clinic culture can really make all the difference when it comes to making a position more desirable for your potential employees. Mm-hmm. Whether that means, you know, the best, having the right schedule for the type of people that you need at your clinic. So, you know, if you are an ER kind of a hospital, um, People usually will go and and ask for the shifts where, you know, they can work for three to four days, really long shifts, but then they can go away and dissociate for two to three days or whether, you know, this isn't an eight to five kind of a type of personality clinic. And, you know, we need to really look at those things or, you know, that could also mean things like social activities or best utilization of your current staff, especially when it comes to support staff, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, those that go all into building and maintaining the, the culture of your clinic and then, you know, 
um, going forward with that and being, again, being truthful with those ads when you're representing that culture is essential. And when you're interviewing candidates, it's essential. Darn, Ivana, I was hoping you were just going to tell me like some magic keywords to put in a job ad and then it would all be solved. But <laughs> I'm just joking. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good um, that's a really good point that, you know, you need to get your own get your house in order before you are trying to attract more people to your house so that you don't have people leaving it. And if, if what I heard was correct, that, you know, focusing on culture, um, looking at different flexible work schedules. Um, and I think that's something that equine could really, really adopt if we, if we put our minds to it. So, and that's one thing I've really, really enjoyed about the pandemic in a lot of ways, although it's been very challenging for many, many people, myself included, um, just like most people, I think it's really challenged us to think outside the box and think of different ways that we can do things where we used to think there's no way we could do that. Absolutely. Um, and I actually saw a really interesting piece in the um, Canadian Association of Bovine Veterinarians. Their circular was talking about they interviewed different veterinarians because they also have recognized that uh, large animal medicine in general, um, they would like to increase their retention and recruitment. And they were they had a big feature on how to make practices more attractive as far as um, mentorship of young veterinarians and real mentorship. Like they were talking about having mentor calls um, every week and having... Um, and having different and having um, you know different workarounds that have been created for smaller bodied practitioners or larger bodied practitioners, and then having family friendly or or flexible scheduling, which seemed to be a real key for for um, the one of the practices that was featured. But they've been very successful, and it was really cool to see. And that's the first time I've ever seen that talked about um, in a big way in that space. Yeah, and I think. Um... From from what I remember listening to your first podcast, actually, some of those items did come up as well with the veterinarians you were interviewing, mm-hmm. where, you know, they, they were mentioning, you know, how do you balance the, the family life versus having a clinic in a small, smaller practice uh, with less veterinarians on hand. And um, I think one of the examples was utilization of the veterinary sharing essentially of veterinary technologists, right. between the two hospitals, Mm -hmm. which I thought was, was a great way, like think outside of the box, right. It's a kind of a environment. And absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent that as an industry of um, you know, that has always, well, it has had, the reputation of not necessarily being most upfront with the new technology, we've been definitely pushed into uh, new technology with uh, with the COVID nineteen, and we've kind of taken it with stride. I would say, in terms of you know bringing in telemedicine, uh, bringing in online shopping, or, and 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 items like that, and uh, I, I just. I'm very positive as to where we're going to go because of this, right? Yeah, there's some cool things that are, there's some really cool things that are out there. And um, I just want to switch gears a little bit to go to long-term retention. So we talked about recruitment and maybe your answer will be similar in that long-term retention has a lot to do with culture as well and these and these practices but do you have anything else that you've seen from the companion animal or the oil and gas industry that's really helped with their with long-term retention that maybe we could use as an as food for thought 
To be honest with you, not, I, when when I'm thinking retention of our new, pro, you know, of our of our professionals in in general, but definitely our new professionals, um, I I like to think about really um, the aspect of the longevity of their career. So you actually alluded to it in in a sense through mentoring and um, and and. And, and and having access to mentors and people who will guide them through their process. To be honest with you, I honestly do think that that is mentoring and career development are one of those two items that I feel are absolutely essential for, for retention purposes. Most of our in this space are so-called type A personalities, right? We like to be challenged. Um, we like to get better. We like to be the best, not just get better, but we want to be the best. We want to, and and for the right reasons, right? I mean, we, we want to make sure that we provide the best care for the animals, right? So usually there is very little room for mistakes. So um, we want to grow. And uh, if we ever start getting close to the ceiling, you know, we get nervous about it and, and mm-hmm. we start to look elsewhere. So I think really uh, we need to help our staff really hit the, you know, the new heights, like push that ceiling up and and then let them own their successes, right? Because it's it's very important um, to us to also know that uh, what we're being valued, right? So um, that that is an essential piece, I would say, when it comes to even mentoring part is that, you know, when when you hit a success, let's let's celebrate those successes. Um, we're all in this right together. We're all here to help animals. So it's 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 um, it's nice to, you know, pat each other on the back sometimes. And I, I honestly do think that this is such a special industry where with some of the most amazing people I've ever met, right? Like, I, I, as I mentioned, coming from oil and gas industry and now my oil and gas friends, if they're listening to this, they will be like, oh my God, I can't believe you, you, know, you said this. But <laughs> veterinary industry is, I mean, it's, it is a special industry. The people who are in it are just most amazing people who just want to take care of others um, and and we'll do anything right to 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 care of others, but we need to also be be cognizant that we sometimes need to care for each other as well. And I think that's important, right? So mm-hmm. we're not in this just for money. Uh, yes, money is great, and success and growth are great, but we need to be really building a supportive industry and yeah. uh, and supporting team team in within our clinics, but also outside of the clinics. Mm-hmm. So what have you, what does that look like to you, Ivana, when you talk about, um, you know, we, re- I, you know, I think we're both on the same page with a lot of these things, like, you know, we need mentorship, we need to remind each other to take care of each other, we need to reward one another, particularly if you're a leader of a team. Um, and mentorship is quite important. Have you seen anything that, um, that might be new and innovative in the companion animal space that we should be taking note of? I think one thing that we've learned, especially over the last six months, I would say, is the idea of agility. And when it comes to having programs, 
you know, whether that's mentoring or career development, it's um, it's a really good idea, I think, to have a, a structure in place, but a structure that can be very easily modified depending on an individual as well as in depend, depending on a clinic. And I, w- I would say that the sharing of these different practices has been more and more available on the internet. And, you know, you can you can just look for mentoring programs or career development programs and um, that, you know, you'll, you'll be able to find millions of different examples. I think the key to all of it is really to do it with heart and not do it with um, um, because it, somebody recommended it to you. Essentially, uh, when I speak to newer graduates coming out of or or students currently at universities, they will ask, like one of the top questions will be, will we have a mentor? And is there is there somebody there who will essentially lead us to through the career journey uh, with, you know, X, Y, Z clinic? And I, I think being cognizant that yes, that does require some time of your space uh, from from your day-to-day schedule, this will also reap the rewards in the long run. So looking at those, you know, long returns is more important than just filling in a spot that is empty right now at your clinic and assuming that the person is going to hit the, the ground running. Yeah, I think our days of like, hey, this is this person's a warm body, and they'll they'll do. They've got two hands, a head, and eyeballs. They'll be they'll be great. Um, those days are probably over. I think so. We need to find good fits for our for our clinics. I almost wonder. Um, so you mentioned there's a swath of information out there about career development programs and mentorship and how to execute it. I must wonder about the idea of, you know, when you're talking about also staff development, if you have a keen bean staff member who might be interested in kind of doing an environmental scan or doing some market research about what might be out there, that might be a, it might almost be a career building task for them to take that on as a project. Absolutely. That's, that's a wonderful idea, right? Identifying that uh, individual who, would thrive in, in, you know, doing that project, right. would be the first thing. And then, and then let him go, let him then go with that. Um, I mean, if, if I think back to, you know, decades ago when I was in um, oil and gas industry, I would say, you know, they spent quite a bit of resources on those initial, I would say five years of, of, of development where numerous opportunities were in front of people to, to be mentored and developed um, and not just have mentors, but have buddies and, 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 you know, th- that kind of a system where you always felt you had a different level of support, whether that was somebody who was in a higher, higher position than you, somebody who was your peer or somebody who was just there as your, as your friend, essentially. But making sure that there is always somebody there for professional is important. It doesn't matter what stage of the career, even five to 10 years in, I'm pretty sure we, you know, we're better at finding those mentors individually, but it doesn't mean that we should be left to our own devices, especially when we move to a new place or a new clinic. 
Yeah, for sure. So even if you've got a, even if you've hired an experienced veterinarian, I mean, it seems to be a very basic need for human, for all humans, mm-hmm. particularly humans who are high performers to want to progress in their career. And I think we have to stop thinking of like, okay, you graduated and that's the finish line because it's right. just not, that's just not the case. Um, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you something that we didn't actually talk about in advance to prep for this. And I hope that's okay. Um, I'm going to ask you, since you're a talent acquisition specialist, I wonder if you can give us some ideas about the best ways to interview uh, via like virtually, because we're not always able to, if we're collecting talent from all over the world or all over the country, we're not always able to have people in person, particularly during this time uh, of COVID. So I wonder if you have any good tips for really running a great interview virtually. You know, to be honest with you, um, I do and I don't because it really depends on an individual. Um, I will tell you that, um, you know, Zoom has definitely been a lifesaver for all of us. When I, after that initial email introduction with a candidate, I will often decide myself just based on my schedule. I know this is very, this is very personal, I guess, in a sense, but I will decide when is it better to meet this person over the phone or over, over video. And more and more, I'm inclined to actually meet people over video because it almost simulates that in-person experience. And I would say that um, you don't necessarily assume that you should have just one interview with this person. Split it up in you know different chunks. So make one Zoom as an introductory phone call or a Zoom call where you know you can just really understand where this person is coming from, what their interests are, and, and, you know, that general picture, and maybe have a different interview at a different date, where you will more focus on whether that's technical skills, and um, just, you know, dwell more into the details of it, um, discussing schedules, etc. So don't necessarily put a lot of pressure on yourself that you have to have everything done in one meeting. This also allows you to answer the questions that maybe you forgot to answer or ask um, in, in the first interview, right? Without, mm-hmm. you know, apologizing to the candidate and saying, I'm so sorry, you know, I forgot to ask you this, knowing that you might have, do you have two chances or two interviews will, will fill that gap essentially. I guess in a way, it's another way of seeing an opportunity because really we'll get to see them and no, we may not get to see them hands on, but we may get to see them in two different days. So two different moods, two different scenarios, like they could have been having a great day and a bad day or all of those kind of things. Plus, you could probably bring in different members of your team if you decided to do that. So, yes, that was going to be my next point, actually, is um, don't be afraid to do that. Right. And um it, you know, interviews are two ways, right? They're not just one way. So you're being also interviewed. In fact, right now, it's us who are being interviewed. It's the employers <laughs> that are being interviewed. It's not the employees, right? Or the potential candidates. Mm-hmm. So be prepared for that. Be prepared to bring in your, your best people, essentially, right? To, to the meeting and, uh, and, and show the potential candidate what, what does it look like to work at, at this clinic? 
Right. Are you guys doing like, have you seen people doing virtual tours or anything else that might be really, that might be engaging to candidates? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially right um, in the (laughs) initial months of of COVID-19 when people were not able to go into a practice, right? So we were, um, we were very protective of our staff um, in, and even now, like I, we're very cognizant of of what um, you know what it could mean to have a team that is um, infected with with the uh, with COVID nineteen. So it was essential for us to move everything virtually, which also meant doing the uh, the full out working interviews over Zoom and mm-hmm. over video. But Gosh, explain to me, explain to me how that would work. That sounds interesting. <laughs> well, you just essentially will have um, and not not the full out skills. It's not that you're asking the person to <laughs> spare or neuter a cat <laughs> <laughs> virtually. Yeah, that'd be virtually. <laughs> but you can you can definitely have those conversations <clears throat> and be able to see how comfortable the person is describing the procedure, etc. Right, and or just talking about it. Um, it, um, that's a really great idea. Yeah. I guess yeah. it's also a great opportunity to really focus on some of the situational things that we, you know, yeah. which often ends up with employees dissatisfaction or employer dissatisfaction, because there's a mismatch between how we handle things. Yes. Yes. And <clears throat> good. so, which brings me or to the point of the, you know, this fit and, you know, you can you can teach a veterinarian or a, um, RVT or support. You can teach everyone a skill, right? More or less. I mean, but it's really the personality, right? At the end of the day, that we cannot change that easily. And if it, it's it's that I would say to focus on during those meetings instead of focusing whether or not, you know, how many how many procedures have they done and how many colleagues they have or whatever, you know the 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 skill that you're looking for is yeah you can ask those questions obviously and you know you can expect them to answer it in a truthful fashion but it's really how they answer it and whether um whether they will fit your your team already that's I yeah think that's the, the other advice. aspect that I wanted to say when it comes to zoom or you know these meetings is that you'll be able you can att- start attracting people from all over the world and um that has been a really really amazing opportunity um for everyone i think across the world is to connect more easily and uh from from definitely different time zones um with more acceptance i would say than maybe a year ago yeah, I think that's really, really true. We've seen so many ways to push the boundaries and maybe it's a great way to include more, a, a wider pool of talent, if you will, if you mm-hmm. if you have a nice attractive offer or people who want to move to your area or something great that you can offer if you, if you live in an area that's hard to staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if there, are there any resources or things that you think that we could um, benefit from knowing about, or, you know, what's your go-to manual or resource that you love to share with people when you talk about acquiring talent or HR stuff? You know, um, my go-to is honestly the transparency part, and it's not somewhere where that I go on the internet to look for it. It's really looking um, within within ourselves and if you know 
as a vet strategy is a, a network, as I mentioned, of, of, of clinics, and each of them are very unique and very different. So understanding what values you can bring to the candidate is the number one thing I would say. And it's very, you, you honestly just have to be brutally honest uh, with yourself and, and, and know that uh, your business depends on it. So once you know, once you have that honesty, you can, you can be transparent with people um, and, and understand whether or not they're the right fit putting as you mentioned, you know, just having bodies, hiring bodies essentially to fill the holes is is not where we're at right now. And I think it's essential to to know that it's essential for attention. It's a um, it's essential for recruitment because those two go really hand in hand. And um, I would say focusing on on the retention piece will solve your recruitment piece very easily. With that said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, everybody wants to go where you're being told to go to work, right? Like I'll tell my friends, oh yeah, I should definitely go work at that practice or because once you have that recommendation from somebody who you trust, um, you know, you've you've just essentially won 80% of the the hill that uh, you're trying to climb over. So I honestly like that's that's the number one thing to do is mm. is the, the the recension the retention piece, um, and and that's going to get us going through and going into the what is it? Honestly, I and if I can look into other places, other industries, um, some that are similar to others, um, like um, our human you know counterparts, um, nurses mm-hmm. and doctors. Or, um, or even further away, right? And going into oil and gas industry, I, I will say one of the one of the things that we need to start focusing on more and more, and where I go to is the wellness piece. So it's mm-hmm. the mental and physical wellness of our people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when we see that the focus in most of other industries that that are experiencing either burnout or shortage of professionals, that is their number one focus these days. Um, and I think we have definitely been very vocal about it over the last few years when it comes to, whether it comes to mental wellness or suicide rates that are uh, alarmingly high in our profession, we still should be putting more more action into, into these um these aspects of our profession. So if I can recommend anything, it's really to help your current staff feel well and feel valued. And then all the rest, as I mentioned, will take care of itself. Um, Mm. I think that's great advice. Now, the good news is, is that all of that's fixable and all of that's work, work onable, I suppose, if you will, and it's not even a word, but you know what I mean? But the bad news is, is that that takes work. So, um, so there are no, I think what I'm hearing from you is that there really aren't any real quick fixes. Can't just read a book and say, right, now we're all going to do this or, oh, I can write a perfect job ad, which I don't think any practice owner is, is disillusioned about. I, I wouldn't think that our, our practice owners listening are much more clever than that, I know. But it is, um, 
I think about that as we go into the winter where we're probably going, you know, we're in a second wave in Canada at least. Um, and I think about the, you know, particularly in equine practice where we have some seasonality, it might be a really good um, winter project to think about those things and work on them or, you know, really give them some thought or work on them with your staff. Absolutely. And I mean, it could be as simple <clears throat> as, you know, ask, ask your people, your people, ask your staff, we're still there. Ask them why, right? Why are you still here? And dare yourself to ask those people who have left, why have they left? Mm-hmm. Right? What was it? Was it was it just you know a simple move from one location to the other? Or was it something else? Was it lack of career development, uh, lack of fit? Uh, was it you know culture? Was it toxic environment? Was it the fact that maybe you didn't have enough support staff and, and, you know, your, your veterinarians were feeling burnt out? You know, I would say that, you know, eight out of 10 times, it's not, out of, not about money, right? It's, it's about all those other things. So really, like, if, if you want to start on a project, right, I start from scratch and, and just be, be on, again honest and uh, brutally honest with yourself, and ex- ex- accept those answers. And um, you know, don't don't defend essentially, but uh, take them in as a, as a good feedback and and work your way from there. Um, and I don't think things like mental uh, focusing on mental wellness or in, in wellness in general of your staff will ever be quote unquote waste of time. So even if you're running your practice full staff, you should still be focusing on spending, you know, some of your resources and time on assuring that um, your, your, your staff is well taken care of. And um, I mean, just, I'll, I'll just bring it up last, just last week um, part as part of uh, that strategy, I hosted a, a wellness webinar with Erin Wasson. She's a registered social worker and a founder of Veterinary Social Work Program and WCVM. Um, by the way, if you ever want to bring a, an amazing speaker to your future pod- podcast, she's she's wonderful. Um, so <laughs> I'm putting Great. out Great, I will keep, I'm going to mark I that down. Thank you. I, I didn't ask her, so I hope she's okay with me <laughs> saying that. But uh, and she's she's just wonderful um, and uh, very very engaged with the students at WCVM and and now beyond as well. So her and I spoke with over hundred students last week uh, over a webinar, and these these students were so interested in finding out. About you know, about how they can stay mentally well in this industry now, but also, you know, when when they um, start working in our practices. And I, I will say to you that being able to speak about this and but not just speak about it, but also show to your staff or your potential candidates that you're you're active about it, that you you're you know, you're making strides in this um, on this subject and in this is is so important and um 
you know, it's um, it's here to stay. Like there is a huge demographic shift that we're seeing, right, uh, in our industry with more and more females, uh, essentially, essentially mostly female now driven industry coming out of our universities and colleges. And as well as the newer generations who are more focused on, you know, having a more balanced life and, and work, you know, I think it's definitely something we want to be focusing uh, our, our attention to. And I can say that, you know, COVID-19 has only made it even more so obvious, right? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm hearing lots of like, you know, wonderful projects for the winter time, lots of opportunities. <laughs> it's not just practices. changing the ad. Sorry about that. No, no, there is no... A holy grail, I have to say. There is no holy grail in hiring and or writing ads or you know yeah. attracting talent. It's it's a multifaceted um, job essentially because because we're talking about people, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, those are all really excellent points. And I really want to thank you for your expertise, Ivana. I think that was just wonderful. Um, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I don't know if you had any further thoughts or if you if we missed anything that you'd like to share. No, this is wonderful. I just um, I'm very honored to be on on here. I hope uh, some of these answers, although they were not very easily attained, quote unquote, easily attainable, they're definitely attainable, and they're definitely something that I would focus on, and I and I personally do focus on it professionally and personally, obviously, but. Um, um, I, I think um, I'm very excited about newer generations coming out of our educational institutions right now. I think the future is going to be bright, whether it's in equine space or small um, or companion animal space uh, or even food animal. I think we're just um, as as a somewhat newer profession, we're we're just starting, and um, I think yeah, the future is bright. Thank you so much. So practitioners, I think uh, if you're listening, um, I would love to, I think it seems like my key takeaways from this session were that we really need to focus on our culture, um, looking at um, employee fit. Um, there's tons of opportunities with remote uh, virtual interviewing. It's not all doom and gloom. And there's some great ways, um, Ivana has suggested, that we can look at not only improving our ability to get people in the door, but get them to stay as a double whammy, which I think is really cool. And that's a great way to think about it. Um, so may your winter be long and your projects and your projects be fruitful. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. And thank you so much, Ivana, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Better Equine Vet Practice limited podcast series presented by Business Infusions, owners of HVMS Software. For more information, visit businessinfusions.com forward slash podcast or follow us on social media at HVMS Software.